Hi, I'm Stuart Huff. At night, I'm a stand-up comedian, but during the day, I spend my time roaming through junk shops that hopefully smell like mildew. I'm not looking for antiques. No, I'm looking for items that spark my curiosity. And if they're the right price, then they come home with me. This podcast is accurately named Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities. All right, welcome to another episode of Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities. I love how that rolls off his tongue now. Yeah, See? It, yeah. It's I'm, no longer even exciting. It used to be a daredevil act. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obs- I messed it up once. This is episode 15, something like that, uh-huh. of this week of recording. Yeah. And I botched it hard one time. Yeah, I like it. Daredevil, that's a great way to say that. Because I always feel like on the early episodes, it's like you picture Stuart. He's at the top of the ramp. He's on the motorcycle, right? <laughs> he's got the helmet on. He's he's snugging everything up. Yeah. He's pulling on the gloves. You know, they're mismatched. Yeah. Sure. And then he takes off, and the title is whether he clears the buses or not. <laughs> right. And the front wheel begins to wobble. It's a little wobble. Right when, I, right when <laughs> right. the gate goes down and right. the light turns green. I don't even make it halfway down the ramp, much less the first Some bus. people are tuning in just to watch the chaos. Well, yeah. That, yeah, I like it. Well, that's that's why it's not exciting anymore. I mean, if Evil Knievel were good at his job, yeah. no one would have tuned in. Yeah, no one cared about Robbie Knievel. <laughs> right, because he actually he, cleared he the got them all. Yeah. No one cared. Right. Hey, can I can I call an audible? Sure. Sure. Can I call an audible right now? Sure well, you can. no, let's do this. Let's I got no, I got a secret follow in there. Follow your follow your instincts. I've got a Peter secret in there. Okay. Right, well, Peter John it. Burns is on couch number one. Hello. That's uh, Chicago's best comedian right there. Peter <laughs> John Burns, couch number one. Uh couch B. Right. We have uh Matt Holt. Here's what I say. I say call the audible because it turns out this is my last one. Are you serious? Yeah, because I, I looked at the clock. What? I looked it's yeah, I I've got to be back. Well, the audible is I quit. All right. All right. It's everyone's last um, one. I, yeah, let's try this. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call an audible. Okay, yeah, do, do it. Right now. You okay. guys, I, here's, why is it exciting? Evil can, if he would have been good at his job, then it's kind of like, eh, yeah. you know. Well, because we like carnage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, don't you think? I'll be I mean, right back. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big Evil Can Evil fan, right? I, and he was an asshole. Oh, he was uh, the just worst. A monument, I mean, beat the shit up someone with, with a baseball bat. An aluminum one, too. Yeah. Not even like a wood, but they might have broken. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's very unforgiving on top of it. That's awesome when you think about it. So I remember someone, uh, he was in the hospital. Or no, he wasn't in the hospital. Yeah, he was. He was in the hospital. Had all this shit, you know, broken bones and everything. And someone like, why would you do this? He's, and his answer was, do you know who the hell I am? Right. <laughs> Shut up. What? That's Shut not up. an answer. Yeah, it's really what he said. Why? So here's a question. Peter and I have talked about this, and I find this fascinating. Okay, this whole... I don't even know what you call it. Theory that's, I guess it is a theory, but it, to me it's almost a truth. Why are things exciting at the beginning when there's that element of, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know, you know, what, and then once, once someone becomes proficient, right, yeah. then it loses some, yeah. there's some magic that goes away from it. Right. I mean, I, for the 19th time on your podcast, I'm going to quote Dana Gould, who says there's a, there's a life cycle to a bit. Mm-hmm. And he and he said, you know, you're doing the same bit, and then suddenly they're laughing. And he said, that's when I realized, oh, I'm bored. And they yes, can feel yeah. it. from a comics point of view, yeah, for sure, which we all are, right? Yeah. From a comic. And by the way, time out. If you're listening, Google Dana Gould. 
my opinion, by far the most underrated comedian in yeah, the country. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. He is the most underrated comedian uh, in the United States of America. I would agree with that. Um, but yeah. I, I also interrupt and say that we only got halfway introduced to, to Peter before we, audi- before we audibled. He oh, was, really? He was identified as the best comic in Chicago, and then we stopped. No, and then they said Matt Holt. Oh, and Matt Holt, uh, who, is, who is not the best. <laughs> Matt, you don't live in Chicago, right? So you well, know you're not in the running. Oh, you're, the, you're, you're not the, in the running. You're the Matt, best. There's been some gerrymandering. I think I might be a bit. Uh, Matt Matt Holt is one of my favorite comics to watch on stage. And I said this on a previous episode. And I'm going to say it again. If you ever have the opportunity to see Matt Holt, he's very approachable. He's very approachable, especially right? if you're female. Then you're all. Then he's really approachable. <laughs> Uh, you have no idea him. how approachable. Yeah, we'll throw the ball around. Don't <laughs> don't even tell him. Hey, Matt, I heard you on the pot. Just walk straight up to Matt and go. I want to hear the pickle joke. Or I'm leaving. <laughs> uh, you got to earn the pickle joke. I, well, I'm telling my listeners right okay. now. You walk up and you go. I want to hear the pickle joke. Or I'm leaving. Don't tell him you're a banker or you own a coffee shop. Don't chit chat with the man. Talk to him afterwards. Before tell him to hear the pickle joke. All right. Uh, there is something strange. Dana's absolutely right, as he usually is. When I write a bit, and I'll tell you the most exciting thing to me, and the most fr- the, the most frustrating, and the most scary, and the, the most um, pride in comedy, is when I think of an idea that I think to myself, I can't make that funny. <laughs> right. That's not funny. That's not, you know, then my brain, there's something about it goes, oh, yeah? Then all of a sudden, the bar, I've set a bar now. Right. You know, Peter and I just wrote it. We collaborated on a joke down here at this coffee shop. It's a funny joke. I'm. I, it kind of makes me smile. Sure. I didn't tremble. You know what I mean? It's not. There wasn't. A, it just came out. It wasn't a high bar. But when I set that bar so high that I really, honestly, don't think I can make it funny, then I got a goal. I've got. You know, and I, and I truly don't know if I'm going to be able to succeed. And sometimes I fail, and I feel sure. horrible and miserable. And sometimes I succeed, but it's that not knowing. There's a magic in that, right? And then once you once you do succeed, and because I think your the initial question was why do people pay so much attention until it's done and they don't pay attention anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's it, you don't once you tame the lion, you don't keep poking it with the chair. You get another lion. Like that's the thing is we're once you once you defeat once you f- something, then you go to the next thing. Right. right. Once you figured it out. Yeah. Especially if it's a conceptually difficult bit i mean you and i kind of occasionally mine the same mm-hmm. fields where mm-hmm. it's or the same uh, or the, i don't know whatever ideas we we, we 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 you know we reap in the same fields or whatever where yeah you're interested I, on the same on the same thing well I, I i love a bit where like especially if i'm going to like a, a woke chicago chicago audience and you watch people go where's he going with this yeah and you know and then if you can flip it and you know, and win them over with something that they may not be agreeing with at first, or they don't know where you're going, or you're it's a taking much higher a higher bar. Yeah, it's, it's a lot, higher bar. It's a lot, lot more fun too, and that's a lot also more fun. The risk is higher. Yeah. That's how you turn people into not not necessarily a fan, but a follower. That's uh, that's how cult leaders become cult leaders. Is they, <laughs> they, I mean, we're not far off from it. I mean, right. as entertainers, Have we're less trying money. to. Get, Definitely less money. Yeah, but you definitely you're trying to get people to look at your way of the, looking at the world mm-hmm. when you do that. But to you, the point about people, like we talked about being at the top of the ramp and being afraid and all that. Yeah, yeah. 
people aren't initially watching you to succeed. They're watching for the carnage. They're watching because of the spectacle. That's a very good point, Matt. And I would even widen that point and say there some people might literally be watching Evil Knievel thinking, I hope he crashes. Oh, they're rooting for him. Yeah, some That's people. why people watch hockey for fights. Right, but I don't. But I, I think it's wider than that. I think the majority of the people are seriously don't know what's going to happen. There's an unknown, there's an X factor here that you just don't know. So they might, some of them might like actually think, oh, when I saw him crash when he tried to do this or that, it was so cool, maybe he'll do it this time, but maybe he'll make it. Either one's exciting. But the point I'm trying to make is when there's, when, you know, when there, when something is you know how it's going to come out. You know the outcome, right? Mm -hmm. Then it's like, okay, yeah, let's go to this movie and blah, blah, blah. You know what? When you, when you have no clue, then it's like, I, I, you know, there's, there's some kind of, ma I keep calling it magic. There's some sort of thing in there. And I want to move it from stand-up comedy. Let's go to other parts of life. But, sure. Like, I love reading about the beginnings of groups, like uh, Monty Python, mm -hmm. when they first, that first year, you know what I mean? There was, and, and there's always one guy that ends up dropping out of any group, right? There's a Pete Best, right? right. Yeah. There's a Stu Sutcliffe, yeah. where yeah, yeah. it's like, because oh, they, we don't. yeah, you get you get six people in a room, right? And and then you realize this one right here is not really in. There's some sort of magic, yeah, right? And then you and then when there is that, you can tell that one person isn't. Yeah, that right. moment moment when the when the planets line up. Yeah, and and it, I, I think magic is the right word. I think it might be too, and then you know you those first couple of years of Python. I mean, they all of them talk about it like they were children, mm -hmm. like which I guess technically they were, but they they were adults, you know. But they they talk about it with a giggle in their voice when you see interviews of of the Python guys, and they 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 all start talking about that first year. They they talk about these absurd ideas that they would just make them giggle. Grown men giggling in a room. They had an idea that they were going to start an episode because they were on it like two in the morning. Nobody was watching Mind right, Python. Right. It was a late night show. On it was a late night show. And, 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 you know, nobody was watching these, these people. And they had this idea that the episode would start, re they would record the, the, the episode at normal volume. And then they would slowly, as they were recording uh, the episode, turn it down. <laughs> right. So you're sitting at home watching and the volume is getting quieter and quieter. <laughs> And you have to stand up and go to the television and turn your volume up. Right. This is pre-remote control. Pre-remote control. Yeah. So you have to keep getting up off the couch going, what the hell's wrong with me? I can't hear anything. And and slowly and slowly they go all the way down to one. Like it's barely audible. And you've now got your TV cranked full blast. And then the last two seconds, are they were going to record it at full blast. <laughs> So they wanted to bust out speakers uh, in England. I, I like everything about that. Right, exactly. Yeah. When you're 17 years into something, those ideas, you're just like, yeah, yeah we're not doing that. Right. You know, and 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 there were more senior people at the BBC that said, "Yeah, you're not doing that." Yeah, you're <laughs> not doing <laughs> right. that, right? But it was great that they thought of it. Yeah. That, well, it's no different than a relationship. I mean, it, you Good, lose. There you, you I lose, like this angle. You Matt, lose yes. the spontaneity after a while. Uh, all you, you know, everyone's moves. You know, everyone's tricks. Yep. Yep. You know that you know the buttons to push and everything. Mm -hmm. the The key to it is how do you find a way to keep everything fresh and spontaneous? 
and in which I think you do a great job of that because you write a new hour every year. That's the reason I do it. Which makes total sense. I wish I could do it. That's why I interact with the audience. To be clear, we all wish you could do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, you well, both. The, <laughs> the way I write is I have this idea, and my favorite ideas, like I said earlier, are the ones that I think, that's not funny. Yeah. I can't do that. I, you know, Carlin might have been able to do that, but I can't do that. Th those are the ones that really energize me, right? Yeah. And that's when I pace in my backyard and I create a ring of gr where grass won't grow and I get mad and I get angry and I get elated and happy and all that. Those are the ones where you. I've just told myself that I'm not talented enough to do this, you know, and now I'm pissed. You know what I mean? And at the beginning there, it's amazing because any little bitty tiny step forward is a goal. It's a win for me, right? And then once I, I get it to where I go, I take it out to a clubs and I start working it and working it. And it is, oh, I fail so bad. I mean, I've, I've stood on stage for an, and, and done an hour. I've done 60 minutes of new material that I don't know. I haven't memorized it. And it's brutal for me and the audience. And then three months later, now I'm getting a little bit of a handle on it. The gun still goes off when I don't want it to. But I'm, I, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Six, eight months later, I can confidently go into the club and do my job with this material. I've got some tinkering to do. I've got some pieces I don't like. And then 10, 12, 14 months later, it is boring. Yeah. I need to record it right around there. Yeah. It's the Dana Gould. Yeah, you're not I, challenged. Exactly I'm not right. challenged. Yeah, that's I'm not, exactly right. I, I, at the beginning, I didn't. I honestly did not think I could do this. In the middle, I didn't know if I could, but there's some sunlight. Now I did it, and I'm bored. If I don't record it then, if I, if I wait too long to record the CD, then I, I'm not going to perform it with any energy at all. Right, it becomes rote at that point. Yeah, and I'm not, unfortunately, I'm not, I envy the type of performers that can do the same act for 20 years because I see the polish that they have on that stuff. I, I don't, I wouldn't say envy is the right word. I mean, no, I, I guess I, I can appreciate it for what it is, but. I see the positives of that. Yeah. Especially from an audience point of view. See, I, that's where I struggle with it, is from the audience point of view. Because you want to build a fan base, and you want to have people that come and see you. And comedy's not music. You know, it's not Piano Man. Uh, you can sit and see right. Piano Man right. every time you see you go to the show. But, yeah, you know, it, people don't... I mean, I, I, at Audiences least, want to hear different at, ideas. At least I feel that's the case. Although I've played clubs where I've played multiple times, and, you know, my act doesn't turn over as much as I wish it would. And then people come up and I'm and I'll be like, yeah, we saw you last year. I'm like, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I, I hope there was something new. And they're like, no, we like we like what you do. And then yeah. I'm always like, really? Because I don't want to do this. Well, anymore. it's a it's a how put it? it it's a different generational thing too, which is, you know, I mean, old school guys, right? Like a, a Rickles is like, you know, why the hell would you throw out a joke that works, right? Right. Jerry, right. You know, probably the the last guy who did that was Seinfeld. Who said, you know, he had jokes right. that he was still telling from the 80s 20 years later. And he's like, well, why would you buy, you know, you, you got that right. Why would you throw away, you know, a Fabergé egg or whatever? Yeah, Pete, I think Peter's right about that. It is sure. a newer thing. Yeah, and, it, it, you know, what's well, the, it's the, the comedy nerd generation, which is unprecedented. Yeah. Those are guys that actually now, we run into this in Chicago all the time, and I'm not a fan, frankly, um, where we have all these shows where, there's a they, they basically put, you know, foot spikes in the way of the comedian, you know. 
we're going to have you do your act underwater. Yeah, yeah. You have to do your act, and we're like going to pull, pull a, a slip out of a hat, and it says, oh, you've got to do it with an Al Pacino impression. Or you've got to, you know, there's, there's a famous one that kind of sp- uh, spawned a lot of these where they would make you go into an isolation booth and, like, put on headphones, and you would do your act, and everyone in the audience had a video feed of you in the booth, but you couldn't hear any audience reaction. Okay. And some people lost their goddamn minds. Yeah, it sounds horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, to some people, I mean, I, w- I went, well, I never bothered to give a shit whether you guys laugh or not <laughs> anyway, so I'm just going to plow through my act. I mean, that's what I do at home. I don't like, see a can I tell a can I tell a, a, a great Peter John yes, Burns story? Please. Sure. Peter, okay. Peter started doing comedy. Give me a year, Peter. When you were a kid, you were in college. Uh, no, I got my first check when my first. So if we're going to talk about like high school, right? High school, yeah. I was. It's been a long, uh, sad decline. When, <laughs> no, when no. I when I was a junior, an exciting ride. When I was a junior in high school, I there was a uh, there was something called the speech team. You go. Uh, to various high schools and there's dramatic duet acting and there's a you know basically you'd get up and do your do your thing and there's a judge and you'd all get ranked and mm-hmm. so I did original comedy and it was an eight minute set which is a lot sure um, and junior in high school junior in high school yeah. and then you did this set three times in a high school classroom that is not your high school that's the tournament that you've gone to before noon on a Saturday morning which is why no open mic has any terror for me because I'm like yeah. that's how I started playing to rooms with other comics who were actually competing against you and a judge laughs not many <laughs> you know, now I, I was always a guy that said if I you know there were actually kids who were coached you know don't laugh because then you know they'll sure. think you're and I was like if it's funny I'm gonna laugh right. yeah good right. for you good for you. And I'm I was the state champion uh, my junior year and state runner up my wow, senior year. Wow, that's impressive. and that is the reason I introduced him. Yeah, as Chicago's funniest comic. As you should. He well won deserved. Won the plaque. It's from 1970. Say it was macrame, but it yeah, was yeah. still a plaque. Yeah, yeah I don't have a plaque. Eight, 85 and 86, and <laughs> so then I got I my first my first check in 86. The video I saw of you was from 85. Is that the video I saw? Oh, I didn't know that you saw that. Oh, I did see that, and that okay. was gorgeous, yeah. Matt. Yeah, 1985. That was my state champion. Uh, uh, routine from 1985. So the camera, it's a very young, handsome Peter. Okay. Okay. And he is up there. So much thinner. <clears throat> he's kind of a good shot, tight shot. You know, he's there's some movement there, but right. right? And he's doing his act, and it's, you know, and it's amazing because this is 1985, sure. and you're watching a 20 year old, 18, 16, how I don't know. I was 15. 15 year old Peter John Burns. Okay. All right. And then, and, you know, and he, as the camera is kind of panning back, you see empty seats, empty seats, empty seats. The, it was, and it pans all the way back. The place is empty, and he is rocking it. Nice. He's, he's Carlin. He's going up there. I don't care if there's a crowd or not a crowd. I mean, he's pointing at people that don't exist. I loved it. That's That was the thing. So what they did was, in those days, and I think they still do it, is if you win state champion, they record everybody's state. You know, if you're the... Dramatic poetry reading or mm-hmm. dramatic duet acting, humorous duet acting. We all had to go down to Springfield, Illinois, for them to videotape us because they distributed those videotapes mm. to every speech team coach in the state. They're like, "This is what won." Wow! Wow! You would so, think they would just record the finals, youth, and then yeah. just have everyone, you right? Know? But yeah, so so right. this was 10 a.m. On like a Friday in Springfield, Illinois. You were wow. built for open mics. Yeah, he was. He, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, this is a robot. This For is, sure. You know, we rebuilt him. This yeah. is, he's, Bionic comic. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, uh, it's weird that you would go from Chicago to Springfield. Well, that's well, the state capital. Yeah. Oh, I guess that's that, that, that was the that was you know that's the capital and that's where you go. So. Right. Right. But yeah, and, and I mean, the irony was the next year there are all these kids ripping off my act because they'd all gotten... <laughs> I, I, I'd go into a room it. and there'd be like three guys, you know, talking, uh, like doing my act. Like, you know, right. they're wearing the same time. Like, oh, what the fuck? Because <laughs> like, they'd sent the video and right. said, this they, is this, what won. This is what won. Wow. Oh, that's great. So it's an interesting... It's something I've contemplated a lot. It's interesting. Why are things... Why do things have a magic to them? At the beginning, and then they seem to, and I'm, and I'm totally, you know, I'm totally aware that that things begin to get their own rhythm and everything, and, and what have you. But it's like Monty Python guys. I mean, they they clearly had a had a connection. The Beatles, you could say the same thing. Sure. And even on lower levels, you know. But Matt brought up relationships. There's a the element of not knowing. Yeah, it's the whole honeymoon period thing. You're learning about. Mm. The thing that you're most attracted to, you know, it's your first days with the new toy. It's your first, you know, it's, it's, but let me ask you this. Let's use the honeymoon period, that phrase, right? Is the honeymoon period more exciting because you met someone you like, or is the honeymoon period more exciting because you don't know this person yet? And you're kind of learning a little bit. You, you, yes, you like what you know so far. But, like, you know, Peter's married man, and I've met his wife, and she's wonderful. And on their honeymoon, he's got stories that she doesn't know yet. You sure. know what I mean? Sure. And and then now they've been married for a while, you know? He's It'll be 25 years. 25 years. Yeah. So he's pulling out a story, and in her head she's thinking, this is a good one. Yeah. You know, and that's a good marriage when, for sure. When you're when your partner begins to hear a story for the seventeen hundredth time, right? And they think this is a good one, yeah. Instead of oh my god, not this crap, but it's not new. Well, except that this is why I continue to do things like you know this week of podcasts, which is I'm going to go home and I'm like I got some new ones, right? Uh, I got right. some new stories, right? I, yeah, I've been. You know, I've been writing little notes to myself from all listening to all you guys all right. week, and I'm like, I got a new one. <laughs> I got a new one for you. Well, yeah. I think I think that that's the whole concept of growing together and not apart too. You know, that's a way to grow together is you're you're bringing new information to the table, something new. As a comic, we're doing that too. Maybe you don't get rid of, you know, a hundred percent of your act. Maybe you keep certain things, but you're adding more, so your your act is growing together. You're bringing these old things in with these new things. And you're turning it into something new to make it fresh. I mean, there was a time, there have been two two or three different times this year where I've said to people close to me who weren't comics, uh, I've said, wow, this was great because after last week, I fell in love with comedy again. And I think you have to do that in some way. Otherwise, it destroys you. So moving we've, we've always seen those people too, right? You see a guy who's like, for sure, another night at the office. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm always like, you know, well then get out of the office. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. if you don't uh, love it anymore, it's too hard to do it if you don't love it. It if it's yeah. joyless, there's nothing get else out. left in it. Right. I mean, in 1985, I've spoken to people that have told me multiple people that have told me, 
1985, you could make six figures doing this and not, and nobody knew your name. Right. And it was not difficult. You didn't have to work hard to make six figures. You can't make six figures now unless you, unless people are selling your out name. theaters. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're selling out theaters. Yeah. Uh, so taking Matt's theory about renewing thing, and Peter, like Peter said, he's going to go home and go, I got some new ones for yeah. you. You know, maybe we withhold one or two for a couple of weeks. You know, they can't. Right, yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't yeah, give them all at once. Yeah, and I got to shoot my whole lot of them. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, that's a so to speak. Story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, evil, bringing in the evil Knievel that you that we started with, right? If he if he jumped if he jumped two buses, and people lost their damn minds. Right, right. You can't jump two buses again. Right, exactly. Right, you got to keep changing, keep upping the ante. Or at least change the game. Well, which which is uh, he he added buses until he couldn't add buses. Then he made a rocket. Right. I he, mean, he changed the game. It's yes. like I'm going to do this rocket, and it's failing. <laughs> no sure. one thought that was going to work. But that didn't stop anybody. No. Yeah. yeah. I love evil can evil. All right, I have this next item that I'm going to uh, uh, this next piece of treasure. Uh, Somebody, one of you people that claim to be my friends, posted something on. Fa- I think it was Peter John Burns. Okay. As a matter of uh, fact, you posted uh, something on Facebook talking about this podcast, and you put the word "treasures" in quotes. No, I don't believe I did. It wasn't you. I don't think it was me. It must either. have been Simmons. Yeah, probably. Yeah, my, uh, that sounds. That smells him. like Simmons. I'm gonna get him. Yeah, you can't use sarcasm when you're talking about junk. You would hope not. All right. Now this I found. This was an old one. I was twenty. That's a guess. Sure. Yeah, this okay. I found in a junk shop, and I have been trying to figure out if I have what I think I might have. Ooh, it's a Stradivarius. <laughs> uh, this is a Stradivarius, right. right? And I might just give this to Peter. But Oh. Yeah. But, um, I've always yeah, wanted yeah, a Stradivarius. Yeah, 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 I might have to. It, it, this is either, uh, well, let's just let's see what Peter thinks. All right. It's All right. exciting. Now, this is a frame picture. Uh, it says at the bottom, here's some teasers, Peter. Are you All ready? Right, yeah. It says at the bottom, there is a drawing above this, okay? okay. What is this, 8 by 10? Uh, no. No? Uh, I'm so it's, bad with it's, it. It's, it's closer to being square, but it's not quite square. It's yeah. probably 7 by 9? No, it's bigger. Uh, 10 by 12. Okay, there you go. 10 by 12. Okay, listeners, this is 10 by 12. It's a frame. Frame picture. It's a drawing uh, of a person, and uh, it says at the bottom, "You will have no worries when you deal with us." Is that any hints? We'll keep going. D. E. Taylor and Company Inc., West India Fruit and Steamship Company Inc., Norfolk, Virginia. It's a railroad company. Mm, let's do the last line here. In parentheses, it says, "Me worry." It's the Alfred E. Newman. It is the. Uh, painless dentist. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That is very cool. Take a look here. Yeah, I'll pass this to Peter. And you describe it, Peter. And while, while you're taking a look at this, I'm going to... The reason this is Peter's item is because our good friend, Peter John Burns, has hit a milestone in a career. It, it, the kind of thing that you have to brag on a friend. Absolutely. He has been hired by Mad Magazine, which is every child's dream. For every, sure. Every adult child's dream. Yes. And he's been hired by Mad Magazine, and his first full page. There's going to be a full page Peter John Burns coming out in October. That is incredible. Yes, I yes for that Peter. is awesome. Uh, Congratulations. Enough. I'm enough. just okay. Enough. <laughs> enough. Enough. That, but I'm by the proud way, of it. He just got a podcast hug, and he hated it. Yes, he did. He <laughs> That's hated exactly it. Exactly what that was. He hated it. 
Hey, uh, while he's staring down this picture, yeah. I'm going to tell him what you and I had planned on doing. And okay. we didn't do it. We didn't do it. That's fine. Okay. We didn't do it because we actually liked the man. Yeah. But uh, Peter did a one-man show that was very vulnerable. Yeah. And he opened up his Never heart. to be repeated. Never be repeated again. And Matt and I spent a good, I know I spent a good six months, and I know Matt did some Googling, trying to find a trophy. Yes. And we were going to have it engraved. Uh, what was it? Most vulnerable. Most vulnerable. Or, or something. We had a few different options we were going to put on the on Thank the you plate. for your heart. Yes. <laughs> yes. Awarded to Peter John Burns. Yes. Because we he have hates it, emotion. We we're going to have it delivered to your place of work. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. And, he hates emotion. And because we're both two road comics, we have no follow through. Yeah. <laughs> it never <laughs> happens. I searched for a trophy. I did too. I look, but you don't, you don't send somebody something like that with a horse on it. No, it had to be kid. the right thing. It man. had to be. I was trying to find one with a giant heart, hopefully yeah. broken in some way. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Describe this item to us, please, Peter. Do what? you know a little bit about this? I do. Please. This, this is one of the... Uh, precursors, if you will, to Alfred E. Newman. Okay. Um, the jug ears are there. The missing tooth is there, and it's it's not it's not at all clear who was first. There was a there was a painless dentist. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were there, there's this. It seems to have been kind of like a weird smiley face, okay. like a like a seventy smiley face type uh-huh. thing. Like and like the seventy smiley face. There's one guy who invented it. Now, because it was the 1970s, we know who it was. And these are all from very late in the 19th century or early in the 20th century. And this was a stock character. You know, this is uh, someone in, you know, a string tie and a, a suit and vest. But it is very clearly uh, a prototype of Alfred E. Yeah, Newman for, sure. for Mad Magazine. That uh, is really cool. So this is before Mad. Yes. Well before Mad. Well before Mad. And, and when, then, when did Mad debut? Mad debuted. Oh, thanks. Uh, Nineteen. What year? Yeah, I don't know the exact. Okay. I think fifty-three, fifty-five. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it was. I know it was the fifties. My right. father bought the first Mad magazine. Really? Yeah, it started That's as incredible. a comic book. Yeah, and guess what? His mother threw it away. So. Oh, <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. He's still a little bitter about it, but yeah, yeah he Mad, should be. Mad magazine started as a comic book, uh, an EC comic book. The same guys that did Tales from the Crypt. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, Vault of Horror and all of those. The good ones. The good ones. Yeah. And then uh, William Gaines, the publisher, uh, went, uh, you know, th- this is when they're trying to bring in the uh, comics code. That was the end result of it because they were having all of these, you know, guess what? Comic books were the video games of their time. Sure. This is what caused all the youth of America to be juvenile delinquents. Right. There was, ah. a, there was a famous book called Seduction of the Innocent by a guy named Dr. Frederick Wortham. Uh, where he, it, which I I own a copy of it, uh, and he goes through and says, you know, uh, Batman and Robin are clearly repressed homosexuals, and this is, you know, this is corrupting our children. And his scientific method was he went to a bunch of juvenile delinquents and said, "You read comic books?" And they said, "Yeah." <laughs> and it, if he'd gone to a bunch of straight A students, they also would have said, they also "Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah." But they, you know, he had confirmation bias. So there, this was a big, like congressional hearing level scourge. Mm-hmm. Uh, led by uh, a Senator Estes Kefauver, who later uh, ran against Eisenhower. Uh, and uh, he, he was a Republican. That, you know, eventually he was Adlai Stevens, but he was running against uh, Ike in the primaries. Um, and William Gaines came in and tanked it, absolutely tanked it before Congress. Um, he was on diet pills because he was a guy that was always <laughs> fat. And his, basically, she was on speed, and he crashed 
Oh wow! And so they're you know they're you know, Mr. Gaines, this is the sort of thing you're showing the children, you know. And there's a particularly bad moment when they held up uh, a I forget if it was Vault of Horror, or Tales from the Crypt, or whatever, but it was you know someone holding an axe and a head. Okay. And they said, "Is this? Do you think this is in good taste, Mr. Gaines?" And he went, "Yeah." I mean, bad taste would be if you held the head a little higher so you saw drip, blood dripping off of it. <laughs> that did not play. Yeah. So they invented the, the comics code, which said that you couldn't have words like horror or terror in the title, and you couldn't have vampires. Basically, it was screw EC. Yeah. Like, they basically said, what do you have in your comic books? Well, you can't have any of that. Wow. So he shut all the comic books down, and he turned mad from a... Uh, comic book that made fun of other comic books and also things like Sherlock Holmes and whatever. But, it, I mean, it was it was a comic book. It you know, had mm-hmm. strips in it and all the rest of it. Um, yeah. Wow. And, uh, that, and that was all uh, Harvey Kurtzman. And then they turned it into a magazine so that it wouldn't be a comic book anymore. And they basically shut everything down except for this magazine. Um, and Alfred E. Newman wasn't a part of it early on. It was when they turned into a magazine that they acquired this mascot. Um, and then there there have been all sorts of trying, you know, how did they get this? Where did they? Right. And basically it was just a thing, like it was a, it was a stock comic character that was just around. So it was essentially a version of clip art. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Exactly. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes, it was clip art. It was used in different... I know far less than Peter does, of course. Sure. But what I know is... You know, you're. It's a grocery store, and you need a little head to advertise. Then you—that was one of the That's options. What you use. It That's was the Kilroy kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, the, and painless dentistry was one because you know he's missing the tooth, yeah. right? And they're like, didn't hurt a bit. That was like a very early one. <laughs> wow. And this is a later one. Um, and then yeah, he had acquired the, you know, you know. In this case, it's me worry, and then later got changed to what me worry. Yeah. Um, it was an interesting fun fact. Just to mess with people when, so part of my involvement with Mad Now is that it's been moved from New York City. Uh, they used to be on Madison Avenue. Uh, yeah, branding. Um, <laughs> and uh, they just moved them to Burbank uh, at the end of 2017 um, so that they actually could be folded into the offices of DC Comics, which had been moved from oh, New York. Okay to Burbank about two years before. Because basically they said to the guys in New York, yeah, yeah, magazines. I know, you think magazines are New York, but you see, really now DC Comics is a bunch of TV shows and movies, and your little magazines are here to remind people about the movies and also to generate ideas that will eventually turn into a billion-dollar movie 10 years down the road, right? So that kind of brings us full circle to what we're talking about because I don't know about you, Matt, but... Mad Magazine was a hide it under the pillow, for sure. For, yeah. in my family, it was you know, for me too. It was was it a, it was guilty. It was and it was so. And I can imagine. I mean, Robert Klein basically did a whole damn album about Mad and how naughty it was and how you know it was so subversive. In, it was yes. deliberately subversive. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. It was, it was a, a you know, I can only imagine. The people sitting around that office giggling, coming up with this stuff. Oh yeah, well, one and of the then fir- and then as you to get it back to the original point, 
early days, early days, there seems to be a magic. There seems to be glitter in the air, whatever it is, when you you don't exactly know the format and you come up with these crazy ideas. Yeah, well, and they completely you changed s- the you format. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, if you, they used to reprint parts of the comic book, and they are very, the comic book was very different editor and very different from the magazine that you and I know. Yes. Which yes. is, you know, you're, you've got your, uh, movie parody. Yeah. You know, Larry mm-hmm. Siegel and Mort Drucker wrote that. Right. And then in the back maybe was a TV parody, and that was Angelo Torres. And you had a couple Don Martin cartoons, and you had the lighter side of, yep. and you had, yep. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, right. it yeah. was like a ritual. It was a ritual. Yeah. And, and, and what I'm saying is just like a relationship, once you get to that point, you've kind of lost something when it becomes that rote, you know? There is maybe there's things you gain from it. You definitely it's easier to, to you're trying to put together a magazine. It's right. a lot easier to know exactly what sections go where and what sections are what. You right. Know. You're a magazine editor. You, every month you wake up and, you know, and say, I have 30 pages to fill. Right. Well, uh, we're going to talk to Mort and he's going to fill five of them. And we're going to talk to the TV guys and they're going to fill four of them. Mm-hmm. And. Don will give us two, pay, you know, I mean, you're right. just trying to get to zero right. every the month. Real, the real magic of it is when you have five people in a room that don't know what the hell they're doing, and they have no money at all, and they're just giggling like crazy, thinking of this idea that we're going to have the lighter side. Oh, my gosh. We, right. You know, I, was ta- I was on the sidewalk with Tom Simmons, right? Last, I think it was last night. It was 3 in the morning, 3.30, something like that, and he had this idea of uh, he wants to start writing jokes that are literally too soon. <laughs> wow. He's writing jokes about events that haven't happened yet. Oh, wow. But we know they're going to happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's writing about the next school shooting now. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's, and we're giggling like yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, listen to us. When we hear, when comics hear a good premise, you're like, oh, I see it. I see it. For you sure. Know? And once, okay, let's say Tom's idea is like, oh, right now it's just you're writing like crazy, right? When you have that idea, it's on you're on fire. Right. You don't really know exactly how you're going to do it and this and that, but the, the it's just blah, blah. And then three years from now, if you're still doing that bit, you're like, oh, yeah, that's one for too soon. Oh, yeah, yeah that's yeah. one for too soon. Oh, that's one for too soon. It lost something. Well, there's a beautiful way that I uh, – that Mad kind of kept some of that spontaneity going. Please tell us. So it uh, might help us in our relationships. <laughs> yeah. Well, basically, it's uh, take a nice vacation because <laughs> Mad. You never take me anywhere nice. Mad then and now is created by freelancers essentially. Yeah. There's a there's a small core of editorial staff, but you know we all had in, you know as kids this fantasy that like Don Martin's office was there and. You know, uh, you know, uh, Dave Berg's office was there for the lighter side of, and Sergio Aragonas. Mm-hmm. All these guys worked at home, yeah, and just sent in pages. Um, so there was one little office with a big mailbox. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so in order to generate a sense of camaraderie, but also just a sense of fun, I mean, the editorial staff was very tight knit. The William Gaines was a beautiful, benevolent dictator in that. Like, there was an Italian restaurant that they would go and invade pretty much, you know, three times a week mm-hmm. as the editorial staff. But eventually what evolved is that once a year, uh, Gaines would send out a note to anyone that had put in enough pages 
over the course of the year. You know, there was a quota. You had to have done enough for the magazine. Mm-hmm. And he took them all on an epic vacation. They went to Africa. They went to South America. They went, you know, through Europe. And he basically, like, loaded them all on the bus. Guys that saw each other maybe once a year, they formed these friendships. Because, like, oh, you're that guy. Well, you know, it, <laughs> Uh, you know, they yeah, room, that's awesome. They'd yeah, shove them two to a room in the hotel. Yeah. Uh, you know, when they went to Africa, uh, William Gaines figured out there was one guy in this country they were in that subscribed to Mad Magazine, and they all showed up at his house. Wow, that's awesome. Right. And they said, yeah, thanks. You know, we're the guys. What? That's amazing. Yeah, and he did this. But also, it's, you know, he could afford to. Sure. Yeah. Because at that point, Mad was selling, you know, a million copies a month. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's. And know. and by the and the pass through, by the way, you know, they sold a million copies, and then you shared it with six buddies, right? Right. I mean, every kid, everybody was into Matt. Yeah. yeah, every sure. every summer cabin that your you know parents you know rented I, had a stack. You know, in you know the what corner. I'm hearing Peter say, Matt? Here's what I'm hearing right okay. now: is it might have become rote. Right. Once you got to that point where, you know, every single and, you know, you also know who's doing what. Yeah. And when you're at home in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Right. And you're the dude that is writing the lighter side of then after the first couple are amazing. Right. Sure. You're, you're giggling like a child. And then it becomes road even then. And the way you break that up and the way you interject more magic is you take whatever humans are involved and you throw them into something that is not rote. It's yeah. new. It's, you know, if, if, if he had taken them to Africa every single year on vacation, half of them would have stopped going. Right. Three yeah, years the, into the yeah, vacation. Like, oh, this again. I mean, oh, was, this again. Yeah. It's like I read I read uh, recently this. Uh, I'm a Grateful Dead fan. OK, so I read this their big biography that what, somebody wrote. Right. Huge book. Right. And one of the band members wives. Uh, left left him because she said she called it the Marin spin. She said, all we do is we're living in this huge house in Marin, California, mm-hmm. and it's just pot and music all day long. How long can you take that? <laughs> and I, I was like, what are you talking about? How long can you take that? Give me 10 years and then we'll, we'll talk. Again. Right. Right. Yeah. Let me go through experiment. I don't even smoke pot, but just the Marin. Right. And that big house in the in the with north, no north. with no worries, no worries. Yeah. She's she doesn't have a job. She's not worried about money. She wakes up every single day. There's you know, there's three billion people that would love that experiment. Right. Right. But no matter what you're doing, it will eventually become boring. Right. You know, it becomes rote anyway. Yeah. Well, you know? I, and I've got a thought. I got a thought about what you Please, said, Matt. and then after that, I've, I have a Mad Magazine uh, comment I want to make too. But um, I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I think Peter's story tell it, it, it illustrates two things. Number one is what can be accomplished with a great leader or manage, manager. Mm-hmm. What he was doing was fantastic because he was putting these people together. And and giving them the, this this moment that they could have together to to celebrate, well, yeah. you know what had happened, mm-hmm. because they weren't seeing each other, you know they weren't around each other, so you right. don't have the daily and, interaction. And, uh, whether or not whether he knew it or not, what he was doing is sparking the flame again for sure. Because all That's of a sudden, what he was doing now you have the opportunity for those people to to stand outside this building and talk about jokes that are too soon. If you and Tom weren't here this week, you're not right, having right. that conversation. Th- this vacation is 
uh, creating the doorway for those conversations for more, to happen. For more sparks. Absolutely. It should connect it again, and then, I'm, and then I won't interrupt again. But oh, you're fine. it's like we were talking about Monty Python. When you read about Python, they all, as a unit, were excited and, and, and nervous about that first year. The second year, they, they found success. So that's another form of new. Sure. Right? right? Third year, they're they're done. Yeah. It's over, and then they start talking dire. They start talking. Well, it got it got kind of boring and blah blah. blah. And then when they made Life of Brian, you you see the same type sure. of vocabulary that you did on that first season. Yep. yep. When you watch interviews with them or read interviews with them, they're excited again. Yeah, and well, they the, switched it up. Right, because they've given the, you've given them almost a new medium to work with. Yeah, you know, they've gone from doing watercolors to. To whatever. Why don't we pastels. throw a clay pot? Right. You know? Exactly. And then the other thing that this that this does is these, as as Peter said, these are all freelance writers. They're not in the same place with each other. They're, they're all submitting their things remotely. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, this vacation comes up and they get to feel truly appreciated for what they're doing because they can't see that initially because they're just in a in a an office submitting this stuff. They don't see the any positives from other than a paycheck and they see the, the finished work come out. Uh, though, yeah, let's be clear. You know, this was also a brilliant managerial move because Matt has never paid lots. Right. So you got this great vacation every year that hopefully papered over the notion that you're getting screwed. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Months sure. of the year. Right. Now it's like sending a fruit basket to the guitarist that you just paid a hundred dollars for their entire right. recording well, rights. And yeah. quite literally, on the back of every check you got from Mad Magazine in the William Gaines days, there was there's a rubber stamp on the back that he would I mean he and he would literally handwrite every check. He was that kind of hands on guy, right. and he put a rubber stamp on the back that surrounded the place where you endorsed it that said, "By signing this, I agree to sign away all of my copyright to this work that I." So wow, okay, you had to if you wanted to get paid, you had to sign right. that, and you know. But there's a certain level wow. of that that kind of managerial style that does resonate with people, and it makes people want to be productive. Oh, like in my yeah. corporate world life, yeah, I had a team of people that worked for me, and I adored those people, and they were they were intelligent, very. Uh, just amazingly dependable people mm -hmm. and i chose them i hired all of them right. and, and you I, did and some uh, some screwed up crap in that office i've heard stories oh of course i did yeah and, and, and everybody I, and giggled I, and like i encouraged crazy. them to, to do the same like we had fun yeah but when it, when it was payday i would get the checks from from hr and then on each person's check i would write a note on the on the envelope that you know hey thanks for a great week thanks for this thanks for whatever and then i would pass those out well it was maybe I was having a month where it was just crazy. It was busy, mm -hmm. and I was over I was overworked or whatever. And I delivered the checks and I didn't write anything on them. And I'm in my office one day and I get a delivery from one of my employees and in a big envelope. And I open it up, it's all the paychecks. I'm like, "What is this?" And she's like, "We're not accepting these because they're not complete." Uh, and they would amazing. not accept their paycheck yeah. until I sat down to do something. That's great. And, yeah. and that made you feel good. Made me feel good. And it made me realize that they were willing to do what I, I mean, it. They it, didn't chash their checks because they wanted right. to, that appreciation right. from. Yeah, that's no, yeah. fantastic. And that's the, this is the same kind of thing, but on a much bigger scale, obviously. Oh, yeah. And these, by the way, these guys at the end of the trip, because they're all cartoonists and artists and, and writers and whatever, they all drew him cartoons that's, 
Awesome. You know, so there's 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 a whole series of years, you know, books that we'll never see yeah, right. of like Don Martin's cartoon saying thank you for the trip, Bill. Uh, and he would like that draw. That's so awesome. You know? Yeah. And I don't want to see those. Because those aren't intended for me. Right. Like, for I him. love I love the fact that they're out there mm-hmm. and they exist for that reason and that reason only. I think that's amazing. I'll tell you guys a, a Monty Python uh, early honeymoon, evil Knievel on the ramp, Mad Magazine sure. uh, story from my life. Okay, uh, and I I worked at the Dairy Queen uh, my uh, junior year of high school, I believe okay. it was sophomore year, and that place was Mad Magazine in my head. You right. Know? Yeah, yeah. It was. Let's see how fun, how much fun we can have today. Right. You know, and I did amazing. I mean, I did things there that made me sit down and laugh at myself, you know, because it was that feeling of I keep using the word giggle and magic. That's kind of that's the way I kind of feel about this moment when you something's brand new and exciting. And, you know, a group of people, a a motorcycle jump or whatever it is, a honeymoon. You just met a guy, you know, you finally found a whatever, you know. So, you know, I, we had a we had a drive-through board. I'll start telling examples. Yeah. We had a, it was an old, old, old Dairy Queen. It was shut down, you know, fairly regularly by the you know inspector. Right? <laughs> well, it was all the chocolate and, uh, hot dogs. It, yeah. it was it was shut down so much by the inspector. I knew his name. His name was Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing good came from a Chad. Oh, and I I would walk back in the office and tell the the owner of the the place who I loved and adored. And when I he eventually had to fire me. And we both hugged each other. We were both crying a little because <laughs> like he knew he had to fire me, and I knew he had to fire me, <laughs> and he did fire me. And I continued to work there. Just I wasn't on the clock. I would put my my Dairy Queen clothes on and go in and work a shift and get not get paid. So you essentially have always been a terrible businessman. Yeah, always. Yeah, okay. From start <laughs> so, to yeah. finish. Yeah, you have not gotten off the rails at, at I, all. Oh, I'm <laughs> one of the worst businessmen ever. <laughs> I love it. Ever. I love and, it. And do we get to know what your firing offense was? Well, I have a bit about it. The the ultimate see you later. Okay. And then I'll tell you something that led up to this. Yeah. But the ultimate see you later was that we had frozen chocolate bananas. Have you heard me do this bit? I think so. But only we had one. frozen chocolate it's bananas. It's an old one, yeah. It's an old, old bit, right? And uh, But the, the, it's true. It's 90. My bit that I do on it is yeah. 90% true. So yeah. this is the truth of what happened. And these bananas, the only I described them this way in the bit, and I will still describe them this way now. They're fairy breast milk. <laughs> they are essential nutrients to a teenage boy. Are you kidding? Frozen right. chocolate bananas. And I went through a phase where I would try to outdo. I would try to up my record. So I would have these days where I would like go. I would clock in. I'd think today's a banana day. And I would, you know, I ate 18 last time, you know, and so today <laughs> I'm going to try to hit, I'm going to try to hit 20, <laughs> you know, so I would do nothing all day, but answer drive through calls and eat frozen chocolate bananas. And then he started counting them because he knew some were missing. And he, all he had to do was ask me if I ate them. I would have told him yes, yeah. but he started counting them. And, and then, you know, so now we have an in- inventory that I was unaware of <laughs> and I ate. I think the, my number, my goal number, or my highest number was high 20s, like 27 frozen chocolate bananas in one shift of work, you know? Yep. And um, and then a guy, the the other cook, I, can, or the cook comes in and goes, you know, he just started counting all those at the end of the night. So I panic, right? I don't want to lose this job, sure. you know? So I took hot dogs and put banana sticks in them and dipped them in chocolate 
and put them back. And you had a little bag that they slid into, yeah, yeah. so you know you could something needed to fill that. So he's bag. counting sticks essentially. He's counting sticks yeah. in my mind. I'm going to get away with this, right? And I did get away with it for a couple of weeks. And uh, you know, so some of the bags would have bananas in them, and some would be frozen chocolate hot dogs. And that was a beautiful moment, my friend, <laughs> when you would hear because our drive-through. You ran over a little rope, and it right. would go ding, right? Yeah. Ding, you know. And then you could everybody in the restaurant could hear what was ordered, <laughs> you know. So you hear, I want one of them frozen chocolate bananas, and I would immediately, because ah, I, it's a crapshoot which one you're gonna get. <laughs> you just don't know, you know. And I would just, I would just watch, and she, you know, she'd go over there and like put a burger and fries in there, and go and get a banana, and I'd try to see, is that a full one, or is it, you know? Yeah. And she'd put the thing in there and hand it out, and then sometimes, no, nothing would happen. I would go, ah, he got a banana, you know. And sometimes anger would come through the door, <laughs> very upset people, screaming, yelling, swinging chocolate-covered hot dog around, and. I'm 16. This is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. And I have a, a Egyptian owned the place. Wonderful man. Wonderful, right? And he was a bit, he was a bit much better businessman than me, right? Of course. So there were no refunds on anything. That was he was not giving you money back at all, right? Right. So then he, a person with a bitten into frozen chocolate hot dog would be cussing this man out. And he would go, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. No refunds. <laughs> and, and, I would wow. be, and I would be crying, laughing so hard. I'm 16. You know what I mean? That's a, 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 eventually, he found out that I was doing it because he opened the cooler door. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. not I, I still claim it's not all my fault. Right. <laughs> well, and, it's the fault of this stupid inventory system. Right. Yep. Had he not suspecting you doing what you were doing, right. you'd have been fine. Yeah. yeah. This is McCarthyism. Absolutely. I, you I can't blame, work there. I blame capitalism myself. Yes. Yeah. yes. yes that's capitalism's fault. I did, I did wonderful things there. It, 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 in my life, it is one of those moments where I didn't know the rules. I didn't know, you know what I mean? And I would... So and I had a variety of things to do. It was constant fun. It was constant. Right. Felt new and energetic, and you know, it was that honeymoon period. Well, I would you, argue. You know what I mean? I would argue you didn't know the rules, but you probably knew that you weren't supposed to eat the bananas. Well, I mean, what, I, what I mean by like a TCBY open two doors down from us. I mean, we're a Dairy Queen, right? You know that's, what I mean? That's bad zone. I mean, I considered it an insult. Of course, they shouldn't. It should not have been loud if you're in the same complex. Yeah, it the, should it should have been forbidden, but based on zoning laws, right? Or, so yeah. I wrote on our, our on our marquee, "Take them care of business, my ass." <laughs> you know that was on our marquee. I would constantly write insults to TCPY <laughs> on our you, marquee. He was the precursor to Twitter. Yeah, really <laughs> is what he was. Yeah. So I would do you know, and so anyway, I'm sitting in school, and I and then a, a new idea would pop in my head of something I could do at the Dairy Queen. And I just couldn't stop giggling, you know. That's awesome. But what I did find out, Peter, is once you do this, you know, like we had a list of blizzards. Our drive-through menu board had a key to it, and it was a, a plastic door, and you opened the door, and you had little white letters mm -hmm. that you inserted, and you would yep, have to spell everything out. Right. And we had a list of our blizzards, which at the time, blizzards were fairly new. This is the 80s, you know. So there was six options or something. Ours had over 30. We had a lot of options on blizzards, you know. I mean, anything we had in there. We had an onion ring blizzard was available. <laughs> and, you know, and people would occasionally come through and go, you have a 
onion ring blizzard and i would I, i'd hit the button absolutely is it any good delicious <laughs> i'll try that and i'd take a cup put some ice cream in it and like five onion rings and just blend it all together and pass it through the window i mean what fantastic are you kidding me but what i found out is like once someone orders an onion ring blizzard that's beautiful you know what i mean that makes your whole day right someone orders another one that's great a third one that's great fifth i gotta change this you know what i mean i've got to change this yeah it's interesting how that 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 seems to happen repetition i had I had a similar experience, by the way, working at the mom and pop video store in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Similar thing, first job. And my best friend and I, uh, the, the guy who became my best friend because we were both working there, we had, a, I mean, just a blast. You know, we wore tuxes in one day. You know why? Because <laughs> why not? That's great. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we, let, me, let me stop you right there. Yeah. Pause. Let me pause you and yeah. ask you a question. Sure. Okay, Peter? Yep. The, d- the day you thought of that idea. Oh, it was actually my friend who thought of that idea. Okay, and then he tells you, you know, yeah. what we should do. I'm in. Yeah, he had a grin on his face. Absolutely. Oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Are you course. kidding? Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna. Gonna, we had a whole glass case of movies that we had purchased in error, that we then were hoping to sell to people. Oh, that's awesome. Like you know, Frogs with May, Ray Milland. Like, why did we have that in the case for seventy nine ninety five? Because <laughs> we screwed up. At, not us, but you know, right, right. the owner screwed up at one point. Oh, and we had a case of all these misfit toys, and mm-hmm. he came in one day. He goes, "I'm going to sell something out of that case." And I said, "Let's see who wins." And we spent the entire <laughs> day going, "I know you've got Footloose, but have you considered purchasing frogs for your very own home?" And <laughs> I think that's, that's the kind of great. stuff you have to do to maintain some kind of levity in your life. I mean, I have a friend in high school. He worked at a video store, and I would I would hang out there. I didn't, if I wasn't delivering pizzas on my job, I'd go hang out at this. So this, this was the prototype of clerks, really. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I was hanging out there, and uh, he had a customer come in. It was a, I remember it was a Friday night, and you know it's pretty picked over. This is back sure. when, when VHS rental was huge. On a Friday but, night in the 80s? Yeah. yeah. The, the people Blockbuster's the sh- empty. The right. shelves are bare. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so this guy walks up, and he has a video. I forget what the movie was, and he sets it down. He goes, hey, is this any good? <laughs> and, and my buddy goes, it's on the shelf on a Friday night. Probably not. Do you want it? <laughs> and the guy goes, "Yeah, I'll take it." And he's like, "Good <laughs> yeah. call." And then, and, then, and we laugh for half an hour. Yeah, you know? seven. Yeah, it was yeah. ridiculous. Sure, but, but though, I mean, I think that you those are the things you do. You know, I mean, I deliver pizzas, and we we mess with people all the time. You know, right? Oh. It's a crummy retail job. Yes, you got to do something for sure. I'll give you another one of mine. This was, and this is another one of exactly what we're talking about. Maybe we're beating a dead horse, but we should just change it up. Let's put a sheep. Let's beat a dead sheep. Right. Uh, a McDonald's opened near my high school. Okay, brand new, grand opening. Blah blah blah. You know, and they had an enormous inflatable Ronald McDonald as the grand opening thing right yeah. attract business tra- traffic's driving by i didn't know there was a mcdonald's there you know so this mcdonald's was sitting on the, uh, the this inflatable ronald mcdonald was sitting on the roof of uh, with its legs hanging over the front okay i think i've seen one of those yeah yes. yeah yeah and it's tied down with ropes on stakes just like all those big you know things are when you go by a car lot and they have a big gorilla or whatever you see the ropes tied down mm-hmm. So I'm in class one day, bored, because, you know, they're teaching nothing. And that was sarcasm. I don't know if that came through the mi- microphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we have, we have a uh, sarcasm sensor on the mics. Okay, good. I hope it I hope it just peaked. I regret 
my entire education. If I could go back and do one thing, I would shut up, stop thinking about Dairy Queen and Ronald McDonald things, and listen, and then get in a good college. Anyway, uh, going backwards. Um, so one day it occurs to me that things just tied down. You know what I mean? You could untie that thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the word untie exists. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not like there's a padlock on it or anything. It's sitting on the top of McDonald's. You know, they close. People go home. <laughs> like a person that. such as myself <laughs> could definitely untie that beast. You've you, know? you you created your own happy meal, essentially. That's right. what you did. So I untie it and put it on top of Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I awesome. have a great time. Sure. I have an I have my buddies. I enlisted them in it, you know, right. and they're all giggling. Just like when your buddy said you want to wear a tux. It's like, what? Where did that idea come from? You know? So I get my buddies. They're all giggling. We're having fun. And we untie it. And we, and we put it on top of Dairy Queen, right? And my manager comes in, or the owner of the Dairy Queen comes in, the guy from Egypt who I, I, I loved him to death. And he just goes, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said, that's just American promotion. And he goes, oh, good, 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 good. <laughs> so McDonald's great. had to come and take it because he didn't want to give it up. He was like, oh, so mine great. now. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So then, I don't know, uh, you know, they, they came and they got it and they put it back on top of McDonald's, you know, blah, 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 whatever, right? Then a couple of weeks later, I'm thinking, I, I, I want to untie that thing again, you know? Because I, I go, I'm in McDonald's, I look, they didn't do it. They just retied it. Yeah. I mean, what kind of morons, right. you know, this at this point, it's the first time was all my fault. This is half my fault now. I mean, you've learned nothing. Right, right. This is half. So, do you, but okay. I can't put it on back on top of the Dairy Queen well, because no. of what we're talking about. Right. Because that that bit's been done. I tell my friends, let's go untie it and put it back on top of the Dairy Queen. This is, no, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. The yeah. magic is gone from it's, this. Yeah, now. that's that's a, that's an old gig. But right. Knoxville, Tennessee was the headquarters of Mayfield Milk, which is huge in the South, okay? And in front of their building, they had a big cow. <laughs> There's no reason why Ronald can't ride that cow. <laughs> right. There's no reason. So myself and about five of my friends are walking down a highway at <laughs> one in the morning carrying an inflatable Ronald McDonald. It's like the Macy's parade. <laughs> yeah. And we're on the side. We're not in the middle. Well, you no, know, we're civilized. Right. You know you're, what not I mean? a, you're not animals. And a cop pulls over. And I, I swear to you, this kid, this cop must have read mad. He must have wore the tux. He must have done the blockbuster. He must have known, right? You've got some, you've got sophomore. I think we we're sophomores or juniors in high school. Carrying an inflatable Ronald McDonald doll down the, the, the major highway through Knoxville, right? And he stops, and he goes, what are you doing? And I said, well, we're going to put Ronald on top of the Mayfield cow. And he goes, jeez. Hurry up. <laughs> I love this guy. Yeah. And, I, you know, and he let us do it. We did it. We tied it down. And then go. Go home. Go home. You know, that kind of stuff. It's just great, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think that exactly you have you have people, we all know them who would have done none of these things. Sure, right. they would and they probably weren't reading Mad Magazine. I mean, there it, was it's, a it's, certain type yes. of person that read Mad. And, and I'll say this: I think reading Mad Magazine is what prepared me for liking Saturday Night Live. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I think that that's was that's in the same vein for sure. It, it's movie parodies and all that kind of stuff. Had I not been familiar with Mad. 
I don't know that SNL would have necessarily hit with me the way it did. Well, it it's the same vein. It's you know, there's a a joyful to Mad. There was also uh, to me it was like yes, we're gonna poke fun at everything. We're gonna the you know the institutions that you're not supposed to that are holy. You know, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna throw some darts at them. But what was wonderful about Mad is they did it with a wink and a grin. Sure, yeah, they, they did it with a kind of a you know that sly grin on their face, like you see what we just did. You know, and as a kid, you're reading this like, yeah, so you just did. You and know? as a kid, that's where I was first exposed to the concept of big boobs, too. Because when they would draw, they were very, you know, sure. They showed, there was cleavage and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. I, I never thought about that prior. Well, so they opened you up to an For entire sure. intellectual Absol- side of life. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That would follow me through magazines you know, I mean, for many years. There, I mean, it's, how to put it, the, the institutional figures like principals and nuns and mm-hmm. others that hated Mad Magazine yeah. weren't wrong. They were not wrong. They, that magazine existed mm-hmm. to subvert their authority. Right. Yes. Subvert. That's the word I was str- I was just a minute and a half ago. I was struggling to get that word. That's the per- it's it's subversive, you know. They weren't wrong to to hate it, you right. know. But their their entire view of life is wrong, in my opinion. Well, and you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm how I put it. If you had chosen to have a life or career where you were essentially s- squashing all original thought out of yeah. your young charges, yes, then Mad was a definite threat oh, to your right. power, and yeah. you're a, and you're you're a terrible person. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That needs to be thrown in there. Right, yes. right. But also that you saw this as a threat meant you were quite astute because that was exactly you, you, that's so. Exa- it is a threat to your way of life. And then, you know, and someone like the cop that pulls uh, pulls over with the boys are doing this essentially Mad Magazine-inspired sure. lunacy. Right. Right? I mean, you know, and then he, he the cop goes, yeah, hurry up. You know yeah. what I mean? That's... That's that's a guy who... That's got that mad, mad feel to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's wearing the uniform, but... He he's knows not, that's, but he's, yeah, he's not living uniform. He's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah. And also, yeah. And also he yeah. went, all right, that's a pretty funny gag. Right. <laughs> that's a funny gag, right. Yeah. Now, if he would have pulled over and then taken it away and thrown us on the ground and searched us and, you know, and that that's a totally different sure. situation. Yeah. Right? Well, even there's, a, the I think it's the opening scene of Fast Times at Ridge, Ridgemont High. It's a musical montage. They're doing the credits. Yeah. And I think there's a scene there where a teacher opens her desk drawer and in the desk drawer is t- chattering teeth and a whoopee cushion yes. and Mad Magazine. And yeah. Mad Magazine. That she's confiscated from the students. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, I remember taking Mad Magazine to school. Mm-hmm. I totally remember. Right. Doing you that. would sit on the playground and pass it around. Yeah. Hey, and what, now, now, where do you land on Cracked? I mean, Cracked was, I mean, Cracked was always the ripoff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was an inferior. The, the craziness of the past few years is that, you know, Cracked.com became this. Huge destination website. Now, Crack.com had almost nothing to do with the magazine. That magazine uh, branding had been sold and resold several times okay. to people that were like, well, maybe we can revive the magazine. No, that didn't work. Well, let's just do a website. And then the website caught on. Mm. Um, and they had, there's a mascot there as well, right? Sylvester. Yes. Sylvester B. B. P. Smith. Smith. P. Smythe. Yeah. Smythe. The, yeah. The janitor. Yeah. yeah. And there's also Crazy, um, which was Marvel's version. Oh, I don't. That one I don't know. I, um, I've never heard of crazy. I, and I actually have a book at home. Uh, it's a really interesting book. 
it has all of these uh, other magazines. Most of them lasted for only an issue or two, but Mad spawned yeah. a dozen imitators wow. with names like you know Looney or what have you, and they they, they mostly petered out. Occasionally, when one of them crashed, Mad uh, uh, Hugh Hefner had uh-huh. a Mad type magazine that only lasted for. Mm. You know, there was kinda panic. Like, it was kind of like Friday Night Live. Yeah, Fridays. Oh, Fridays. Fridays. Yeah. Fridays. You know, yeah. Fridays. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. But Which, some of those people, like Al Jaffe, came to Mad. From the wreckage, that. so it yeah. was like the minor leagues for them, oh, kind yeah. Of, yeah. Okay, yeah, or, or almost like just a, a resume, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's Which awesome. is another thing that we didn't really get heavy into on this. We, I want, I wanted to. First of all, I just wanted to show Peter this thing, you know, yeah, just as fascinating. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a great uh, yeah, thing. Yeah. It's just pure Peter, you know. But um, when money comes in, it seems to suck magic out to me. You, you know, when you, we, like, as in, as in, you know. When you're when you're starting Cracked magazine, right? Because you're trying to make money like yes. Mad did. It, it depends on if the if money yeah. becomes the motivation. And that's not, what, and not that's the well art. put. Yeah. You if you if you say, hey, we got a great idea for this magazine. It's kind of like Mad, but you're all excited about right. it, and you know, okay, fine, that could take off. That could be beautiful. Yeah. But if you say, Mad magazine is making good money, let's make something like it and try to make some of that money. Then right. usually that approach usually doesn't produce magic. Well, and I, I will tell you, you know, one of the things that was truly lovely about William M. Gaines um, is, first of all, I mean, he had to make some compromises. You know, Mad was always published black and white, not color, after it, you know, after it became a magazine. And it was on the crappiest paper, right? <laughs> it wasn't Time Magazine slick paper. It was newsprint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was his trade-off because... Do you remember the sorts of ads they used to run a Mad Magazine? Um, I the the mail the mail away stuff is that what you're talking about? Like no, the, I was actually a trick question. They never ran oh, ads okay. in magazine. Say, they never ran a single advertisement in Mad Magazine during the William M. Gaines. Yeah, I was thinking yeah, the I comic didn't remember book. any. Yeah. I, 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 the way you asked the question, I'm not used to you asking trick questions. Yeah. I was thinking, no, I don't remember them because I don't. There weren't I any. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I was and thinking comic books had that comic, one page. Yeah, the X-ray. Those little square. Yeah, those yeah. little squares. And because uh-huh. I bought a ton of stuff off of those. Oh were, yeah, See cigarette loads clothes. and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. build your muscles. Yeah, I remember right. that one. Charles Atlas. The yeah. Or the, yeah. yeah. You, oh yeah. They, you yeah. always got the X-ray specs. I'm guessing. To, no, I always bought like the cigarette loads and the 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 pranks and stuff. Yeah, that yeah, does not that. shock me, Don Rickles. But yeah, Mad Magazine. And you know, believe me, there were corporate overlords eventually because Mad got bought by Warner Communications, mm-hmm. and they said you'd make a lot more money if you put ads in. And he said, if I put ads in, my readers wouldn't believe me anymore. Mm-hmm. So fuck right off. Right. And he managed. There's- he kept he, until the day he died. He managed to stave off ads in Mad Magazine. Um, they now run a few, but they're mostly for like other comic books and stuff. Sure. Mm-hmm. There's something about it. I, I don't. I certainly can't prove it or anything like that. But I've always believed, and I still believe that. Like, I'll give you another example. Uh, my wife is a teacher. You mm-hmm. know, she's a Montessori school teacher, and she was working a couple of years ago. She was working at a Montessori school. You know, Montessori costs money. You know, it's yeah, yeah a, right. You, you got to pay for your kid to be there. So there was an offshoot of the main Montessori school in Athens, an offshoot, and their kind of their premise was. Anybody should be able to go to this school, you know. So if, let's say, Matt has a, a child and Matt can't afford for your kid to go to Montessori school, well, then what can you give us, you know? you 
Are you, you, are you a landscaper? Well, fine, good. That's great. Come landscape the grounds. And then, you're, and then your tuition is, you know, we're knock it off two-thirds or you know, you've just paid one-third of the tuition. Or, you know, all the meals were cooked by parents. All the grass was mowed by parents. The house was painted by parents. Anything you could bring us that kind of, you know, then we – so that was the – which is a great motivation sure. yeah. to open a school, you know. So then I think it was two years ago – uh, then they have a board, of course, like, a, you know, a board of directors, you know, and um, a couple of people get on the board, a lawyer, an accountant, you know, kind of thing, and, and start looking at the books and start saying things like, but we're, we don't have any profit here, you know, and then it's countered by, well, we're not really here for profit, you know, it's not exactly our, that's not our goal, right, it's not our goal, yeah, but you know what, we could make some profit if we did X, X, and X, and well, that's not really, but that's the the whole point of it is all kids should have be able to do this. So how can we do this and still function? We're looking to break even and have as many kids as we can. Well, but if we, you know, if we just had a service come in with food instead of these parents coming in to make the food, then, but then those kids couldn't go to school. Well, you know, so we have a few less kids, but we'll have a profit in the bank. Fast forward from that thinking a year, and the school is now, it's still there, but the entire method is gone. Yeah. My wife quit. She went to another Montessori school. Most of the people that were that were believers in that message, and, you know, they're, they're gone. There's a couple left that are just there and depressed, you know. Yeah. But that school is now completely Mo- changed. Money, money and profit typically dry up magic. For what? That's for some reason. Yeah, I mean, and there's probably a listener right now that's saying that's not true, and I have, I have proof. Well, the, that's great. I wish I could think of it. Because well, that I, means I can't. that means that money is your magic. That's the that's difference. A different story. And yeah, and but, I don't have a problem with that. I don't either. But like you know, in comedy, the, my most profitable year was one of my least favorite years of my career. That's and, the way I operate, and, my friend. And, Are you kidding me? This year is my least profitable, and I'm having the best year I've had in 20. That's fantastic. So that's, I mean. Here's the way I operate when com- with comedy. When I get an email that says, uh, would you like to come and do our show? Uh, you know, And then I always respond, well, tell me about the show. You know, Well, we run a coffee shop in uh, you know, Vermont, and we can't really pay you that much, but Greg Brown is doing a show on the same, and he's, I love, that's my favorite folk singer, Greg Brown, right? Then I say, okay, how about $100? Can you afford $100? Oh, well, we were thinking about giving you $200. Well, sounds great. That's double what I wanted. Right. Then I'll drive from Georgia to Vermont. I'll spend $200 in gas, and I'll spend another 300 in hotels, you know, and I'll go up there, and I'll have a fantastic show, and I'll go see Greg Brown, and I'll love it. It is the best, you know, blah, blah, blah. Someone, will you come to our show? Uh, what kind of show have you got? Well, it's a Republican fundraiser. It's $8,000. <laughs> you know, I'm just not, yeah. if I don't want to go do your thing, then I want money. Right. You know? And, right. and in a sense, so many of the artists, to bring it back around to Mad Magazine, um, who worked for Mad, did I just said Republican fundraiser, and now we've got a drag race in the yeah, front. Yeah. They're here for me. <laughs> yep. They're coming for me. That's right. Um, you know, they. You know, again, one of the myths is like, oh, well, you know, so and so, you know, he was working for Mad. He must have been set. And I'm like, no, there's a reason that Mort Drucker and Jack Davis did all these movie posters. Mm-hmm. You know, these and guys, album covers too. Yeah, yeah. and they, and they did 
they were doing that commercial art, you know, a Bob and uh, uh, you know a Bob and Ray, Bob and yep. Ray, yeah. you know, the, Mort Drucker does a Bob and Ray album cover. I mean, that he was doing for commerce. They all, you know, all these guys who all were, you know, doing covers of board games and all the rest of it would come do mad because they got to do whatever they wanted. Right, right. And you're not going to pay me that much? Well, that's okay. Yeah. Because I get to do whatever I want. Yeah. There's and, a it, magic to that. Yeah, by Absolutely. The, by the way, Bozo, uh, you have finally figured out, I hope, that you have a whole bunch of comics that came in for a week for no pay. Yeah. This is what the are you magic. Trying to point out? You were the William. The magic. You were the William M. Gaines. Of this ah, yeah. I mean, it's the well. That. Our next live recording is going to be in Africa. <laughs> All right. I love the fact this is. Let's let's end this on talking about this podcast. Okay, uh, you know, in the same vein, right? Uh, Peter, Hol- uh, I'm sorry, Ross Duncliffe owns On Tour Records, and he. Has this office space and he wants to turn it into a podcast. I never wanted a podcast. I never not once thought maybe I should do a podcast. That's not who I am. You know, it's just not. I love people, people's podcasts. But, right. You know, and then Matt Holt says, yeah, do a, what you think of a good podcast idea and, you know, I'll produce it and we'll do. Here's I thought, nah, I'm not going to do that. That's my first thought was, nah, I'm not going to do that. And then I thought I could get Peter. I could get Cody. I could get Danny Bevins. I could get Nardos out of Grand Rapids. Yeah. You know, I could, I could get Tom Simmons. Tom Simmons could. And then immediately I pictured five or six or seven or eight of my good friends. And all of them don't even know each other. That's and right. they get to meet each other. And we get to go down to the restaurant and just sit around and talk. And that's when I texted you. I said, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. You know, at that I- point, when I told you I was in. I didn't even really have a firm idea. I thought, I'll think of some idea. But I, the idea of all my friends coming together and us just spending a week, and I've had no hesitation. I mean, I don't have the money to pay. I've had, what, two people, two people flew here, yeah. right? Peter flew here from Chicago. Yeah. Danny flew here from Florida. I'm not paying you guys, you know? Uh, Tom drove from North Carolina. Yep. You know, uh, Cody lives in L.A., and he was in Nashville and drove Yep. You know what I mean? No, for sure. And it's magic. It just it really is. We people drove here, and I'm doing this not because it's magic, but because there the potential that there might be moments. One of the cool things about I think one I think one of the coolest things about comedy is not getting on stage and getting laughs, and you know it, one of the great things is changing people's evenings. That's great. But one of the things I love the most is the camaraderie of getting together with other comics and hanging out and talking and sure. making each other giggle. And mm-hmm. that's what we do. That's the Waffle House. Right. That's what that is. That's why we do people, it, really. Yeah, people yeah. who aren't yeah. in this business, they don't get what that is. Because that is such a point of decompression for everyone. That's such a moment of making each other laugh. We might hug Peter, make him uncomfortable. That it's, kind of stuff. It's great. <laughs> that's, I love it. That's what this podcast is capturing. This is the Waffle House. Yes, it really that's is. What I want. That's what I want it to be. And I think you're doing a great job of making you know, it that. I want, I want to bring out a piece. You know, that I found that, like I told you, I found that Alfred E. Newman thing 20 years ago, probably. Or I was 20, so even more than that. 25, that's a guess. I was 20. But it, I've had that for a long time, you know. And, uh, and when I found it, I was like, is that what I think it is? Because I'm not a mad magazine historian. Part of me thought, maybe this was a, a joke they had in the magazine. You sure. Know? Right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It could sure. have been. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I did some reading in the last few years about the fact that it was kind of clip art. His yeah. Fate, yeah. You know, 
And then I pulled, you know, and I, I started looking at that thinking, I think that's what it is. That's, I've got an old, old, old pre-Mad Magazine Alfred E. Newman. Yeah, exactly you know? so. And so I don't, I, have you seen those? How, I mean, is this? I, I, I've not seen one before. I mean, I've seen them in books. Right. You know, I've yeah. got a history, I've got a history or two of Mad Magazine on the shelves. And yeah, they, they always talk about that. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is there's a, there's a slight, uh, they made a few changes when they made him Alfred E. Newman. Mm-hmm. And to mess with people, the new editorial board at MAD, before they did their new issue number one, said, well, we've cleaned up Alfred E. Newman as a prank. <laughs> right. Because one of his eyes is taller, you know, is above the other. Yeah, right? yeah. And mm-hmm. there, there's a certain part to his hair, yeah. and, and the ears are a certain way. And they, they cleaned it all up and made him pretty and put the tooth in. <laughs> and people lost their shit <laughs> They were like, what are you doing? <laughs> and they just all sat around the office and laughed their asses giggled. off. They just giggled. This, this one looks a little bit like Alfalfa, a little bit. A too. little bit, yeah, sure. yeah, a little bit Alfalfa, yeah. but yeah, in Alfred E. Newman uh, yeah. in Alfalfa. It's great. All right, my friends. Uh, I'm glad we called an audible. This was yeah, great. This was we fun. just You guys just automatically started talking about Evil Knievel sitting at the top of the ramp in that moment when you don't know, when you don't know. And I, that's what I've been thinking about lately, especially with this. And you get a bunch of people in a room, you giggle, there's no money involved. There's a magic there. You know? No, and that's how that's, we, I and, think we started with it. And part of my excitement now is they've completed the revamp Mad Magazine. They still don't know. They're four issues into this new regime. Yeah. They don't know what it is yet that's exciting and that's the yeah, fun part. that's pretty yeah. cool and i'm really happy that. that you that you did that i mean i just i'm happy for you because i ha- i can live vicariously and i know how proud peter is of that even though he's midwest and right. they don't you know they don't really show pride until they're in the grave you know what yeah. i mean but uh <laughs> other people short pride after matt and i know how that feels for sure so yeah congratulations yeah, awesome. absolutely thanks man thank you for listening Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities is an on-tour production. Matt Holt, producer. Matt Holt also wrote that sentence. If you want to support us, please rate and review us on iTunes. Anything you do is greatly appreciated. You can visit our Facebook page also at Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities. We'll post items of interest there, and you can chit-chat with other obsessives. I even stop by from time to time to see if I can buy anything from anybody. I've been Stuart Huff. If you've liked my obsession as much as I do, thank you very much for listening to me.